All right, welcome to episode seven of Bulldog Banter, uh, post Seton Hall victory. Um, we are joined by a very special guest, our, our first recurring guest in Bulldog Banter history, uh, the one and only Jake Mosley. Jake, and thanks for joining us again. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me for the second time. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Um, you know, one of the, uh, I think one of the storylines from last night was kind of, um, I guess created by you. You know, you were you were active on Twitter last night, which was fun to see. Kind of joining the uh, the Georgetown Twitter um, army, for lack of a better word. Um, you were really vocal about uh, Dante Harris, um, and that's someone who a lot of Georgetown fans have been bullish on. Um, hasn't necessarily had the the flashiest stats, but someone who just he kind of seems to have that it factor. Um, seems to have you know some some real talent to work with. Um, I, you know, obviously, you know, you shared your thoughts on him, but just curious, now that we have you here, you know, what what have you seen from him and, and what did you see from him, especially last night that had you so so vocal about him uh, in the future? Um, I really like his game. Uh, I feel like he's a really he's a true point guard and he's in a, he was in a tough position with, you know, Jalen Harris, you know, having to take the leap of absence. Um, so he had been, you know, basically thrown into the fire as a freshman, you know, one of the best conferences in the country. Um, so, I mean, I think he's, he's answered the bell pretty well. You know, obviously, they're not doing as well as a team as, you know, the fan base would, would want. But I think he's doing well for a freshman. Um, he's Like he said, he's a lot of room to grow. And I think that you take the freshman mistakes with, you know, you see how well he played last night. Um, he was definitely a big factor in the win last night. Um, and like I said, I think he has a very, very good chance to be, you know, the best point guard in the Big East when he's a junior or a senior. And that only comes with experience and, you know, playing through your mistakes. And I think, you know, being that he's one of the few point guards in the roster that, I mean, he's going to have the opportunity to play through his mistakes for the rest of the year. And so it's going to help him in the future for sure. And did you – one of the things that stood out to me was it's it, it, wasn't, it wasn't normal to me to see a guy, a Georgetown basketball alum, kind of publicly giving that vote of confidence to someone that's currently on the team. When, when you were – um, on the team, did you have people that were, you know, that were recent Georgetown alums that were kind of giving you pointers or kind of giving you those public shows of support? Because I, I didn't really recall, um, you know, someone doing what you did um, in recent memory. Um, not publicly, but I know a couple times we played. Uh, one time I remember we played Villanova. I think this was this was my senior year at, at Villanova, and we lost. Uh, uh, Jabril, Jabril was at the game, and he came to locker room after the game, and we spoke for a good 15, 20 minutes, and he was just telling me, you know, to um, to stay aggressive, to leave it all on the floor, because being that was my senior year, that was going to end soon. Um, and that wasn't the only time. I think I've seen Jabril maybe three or four times throughout my career, and we had the same conversation each time. Um, Jabril was one. I want to say, you know, the guys I played with, obviously, Jesse, Caleb, when I was a senior, they, they kept in contact with me. Uh, and then uh, more so when I after I graduated, Chris Wright was one of the guys that was just staying in my ear about you know my next chapter in life, which would be overseas now. So yeah, guys like Chris Wright, Jabril Trayvick, and guys like that. For sure. And so for a guy like Dante, who's been you know playing a ton of minutes as a freshman, what what does that kind of do for him? Like I mean, I feel like for some players that could overwhelm them, but for others that's a huge opportunity to learn and grow. So. If you were in his position, like how would you attack having that many minutes thrown at you from you know from really day one almost? 
Uh, I think it's more of an advantage, you know. Uh, like I said, playing through your mistakes is going to be a, a big plus for going down the road. Um, and you just become more comfortable. You know, you're not looking over your shoulder. You know, I feel like I feel like in the earlier games, he's looking over his shoulder a lot because you know you're a freshman. It's one of your first games, and you know, first game of a conference game. I'm pretty sure. Actually, no, not conference, but you know, big time games like West Virginia. Um, but now that he knows that he's like, you know, he's the guy right now to be the point guard. He has no worries. He can play freely, and you know, when a guy's playing with confidence, then it's, there's not really much that can stop him. So. I mean, like I said, he's going he's gonna to continue to make freshman mistakes, and, you know, you can live with it as long as you're still getting wins. And, you know, I feel like it's going to be a big plus in going down the road. So what are your thoughts on sort of the Hoyos the last few games? Obviously, you know, they're four out of six wins, and they seem to have some sort of momentum going. They're getting a lot of victories. They're beating teams that I don't think um, either of us expected them to. So what are your thoughts on, you know, where that these, this momentum's coming from and, you know, what players are the ones that you think are stepping up? I think the momentum is coming coming from uh, the break that they had. Um, you know, it was a long break, and it's tough. I mean, it's tough just watching other teams play when you know that you can't play and you just want to get back on the court. So I think they had a good time. You know, I think they were on a big losing streak before the break, and they got a, they had a good time to, to just to reset, just to, you know, go over their mistakes. And they turned a bad situation into a good one. And they're playing a lot more like a team. I think uh, one person particular Trudy's been stepping up a lot you know he was playing kind of poor in the beginning but I think he's like I say starting to get comfortable now he's starting now so you know I think he I think he's starting to play the player that coach recruited him uh, uh coach recruited um yeah I think that's a good way to answer the question for a guy like Chudy, what do you think? Like, I mean, obviously you weren't a transfer when he came to Georgetown, but what what is what was the biggest key do you think for him um kind of stepping it up was it just like having the time to get accustomed to Georgetown and the style of play or like what, what was it that you think helped him improve? Yeah, just having the time. I mean, I think they were the only team in the conference that couldn't be on campus during the summer. So that's a, that's a pivotal, you know, two, three months for guys that are freshmen like Dante or just transfers like Judy, just to get used to the guys that you're playing with. Um, so I think they probably started up around like September, which is like a month or two before the season. So, um, they didn't have a lot of time to get accustomed to each other, but now that they're playing games, they're starting to figure it out uh, through games. And as you can see, like uh, before Comscape started, they were in a lot of games, but they started they started folding towards the end just because they weren't used to playing with each other and playing a full length game. But I think during that break that they had, um, they were able to, like I said, reset, watch a lot of film, and they're starting to put together now. They're starting to play like a like a team now. And one guy that's been pretty consistent since the, the day he set foot on campus is Kudis. Um, when, when we talk to him, obviously, like when any player talks to the media, they're obviously not going to be like their full selves are going to be kind of guarded. He, Q always seems, he seems very shy. And uh, some, of that might, some of that might be the language barrier. He, or I'm just curious, like, is, is he as shy as he seems or is that just he's shy with the media? What, what's he really like? Um, I would say he's humble. Like, um, when I saw the quote, I didn't actually get to watch the interview, but I saw the quote when he said he thinks he's one of the best picks in the country. I knew that he meant that. You know, a lot of guys a lot of guys say that, but they don't really mean it. But I know that he meant it, and he meant it in a humble way because Q puts in a lot of work. Um, I, and I'm actually very impressed with Q. I meant to say that, too, because, you know, watching his growth from freshman to sophomore year, um, it seems like he's much more comfortable um, in the post when he gets the ball. You know, freshman year, he kind of get rattled a lot. He put on a lot more weight, and I think, you know, bumping 
with um, Omer last year in practice all year, helped him a lot. And now that he's the centerpiece of the, of the team, being the, uh, the big guy down low, and, you know, not really having to look over his shoulder. Like I said, he's the main guy. He's more comfortable, you know. Um, he's more confident. I can see that in his game. What's it like in practice? I mean, obviously, with any center that's going to be at Georgetown under Patrick Ewing, there's always going to be, like, that's big man you, and now you've got Patrick Ewing coaching them. Does Ewing give them special attention, or do, do they work with the other assistants too? Like, does he take uh, extra interest in their development, would you Would you say? Um, I wouldn't – I mean, I, I don't want to say he puts extra attention because then it seems like he doesn't pay attention to the guards. Like, he's a, he's a very good head coach, and he's, he's – uh, like I said, I've seen his growth over three years. He's learning how to delegate, you know, um, jobs to his assistants. Like, Coach Orr is very good with the bigs. Um. But, yeah, I mean, obviously being a big man, I think his first big man was Jesse, so he wants to see Jesse succeed. And then Q was his first big man that he recruited. So, you know, that just goes without saying that he wants to see him succeed. So, he, uh, I mean, the big thing with coaches is more so that if the player wants to get better, then the coach is going to help him get better. So, as a coach, you can't force a guy to want to get better. So, like I said, Q's a hard worker. So, I know Q's putting extra work with him. And whenever Q goes to coach whatever – Coach there to help him with whatever. So, what are your thoughts on Javon and Jamarco's season so far? Obviously, you've played with them for three years, um, and they're both stepped up and they're playing very serious roles. But um, what have you seen from them this year in terms of their growth and their uh, the things that they're doing? I've seen Javon didn't have the best game yesterday, but he's been our leading scorer. He's been very, very mm-hmm. solid for us. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I'm not surprised because I practice with them guys. You know every day for three years and I, like I said when me and Javon were both in the second team we were on the same team in practice every day so I can see the type of scorer he was and in practice is definitely like no no looking over your shoulder you, you just shoot how you want to shoot so I know that now he's the main guy I knew that he was going to put up the numbers that he's putting up and Jamarco I think a big thing for him is that he's a matchup problem so Coach putting Chudy in the starting lineup was a good thing for Jamar because now he can play the three, which is his more more of his natural position. And I think he's a matchup nightmare for his small forwards because he can post them up and he's quick off the bounce and he can shoot. So I think that now that he's playing the three, um, so I think the last two, three years he was playing the four a lot. So now he's playing a natural position. I think it's a big thing for him. And uh, I think his numbers going to keep increasing as the season goes on. When I when I see Javon play now, I mean this year he's just he's been like the team's top scorer, and the growth that I've seen in his game is just kind of crazy. Like when he came in, he he was a shooter from day one, but he wasn't really a great dribbler. He he didn't have anywhere near the vision or passing, at least from what I saw in games. And now he's just he's so much more well rounded. To me, his his growth and development kind of seems to coincide, and, and this could be right or wrong. Seems to coincide with Coach Crouch coming on board, who's like kind of seems like the the major skills guy for you guys to improve with. Um, is that accurate? And, and what do you think was the biggest key for Javon's improvement? Well, I think Javon said this in one of the interviews that he's been a point guard his whole life, but when he got to uh, Georgetown, we had me, you had John Moore, you had Trey Dickinson, so there wasn't a lot of minutes to point guard for him, so he kind of got moved off the ball. And then next year, you had James and Matt come in, so it was the same situation. But now that, you know, it's just Dante at the point guard position, you know, Javon is a very good uh, secondary ball handler. You know, he came in as a point guard. He came with a vision. But a lot of people don't know this. If you're not playing point guard every day in practice, your handle starts to go, you know, it doesn't really really stay tight. 
So now that he's playing point guard a lot, I think he's becoming more comfortable. And a, a big credit to Coach Crouch. You know, he stepped in pretty well after John Wallace, you know, went to the NBA. But I think John Wallace doing a pretty good job with Javon as well. But I think he was working more with Javon as a shooter because that's what he was playing for us at the time. But now that he's playing point guard, I think, I mean, obviously I'm not there now, but I'm pretty sure Javon is putting in more work with Coach Crouch. And Coach Crouch is a big reason that Terrell had the type of season that he had last year. Terrell went to Coach Crouch a lot, you know, for extra work before practice, after practice. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, Coach Crouch is, is a real deal. What about you? I mean, you when you came to Georgetown, you weren't really a three-point shooter. And then your junior and, seasons, junior and senior seasons, I mean, I think you shot 37 38% last year. What, what was what was the biggest key there? Was that coaching? Was that just you getting in the gym? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Coach Pat was staying in my ear, you know, about being confident in my shot, you know, and just putting extra work in. And uh, Coach Nav as well. You know, Nav was one of my biggest supporters from day one. Um, he was he started off as a manager, and now he's moving up the ranks in the coaching staff. So, I mean, he was there since I was a freshman, and he stayed in my ear as well. You know, whenever things were down on me, he was made sure that I was uh, to be supportive of me and then just to to push me every day to become a better shooter. He knew, he saw it in me, and he worked with me a lot before and after practice, so I credit Nab with that. Um, and then also Coach Pat, you know, like I said, trying to uh, keep my confidence up with my shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I love Nav personally too. Uh, won a uh, intramural flag football championship with him, so uh, that was that was a good time. <laughs> um, I, I'm that's actually I, now that I bring that up in terms of like student life, I'm kind of curious because I was I was at Georgetown when you were, and uh, I mean as students like we see you guys around, but like you guys, I mean maybe you disagree with us. You guys aren't that involved in campus life. Do do you like? I guess why is that? I mean, I, I mean, I know you guys hang out a lot with each other and and some other people, some other students. But like, do you th- do you think you guys could be more involved in student life? Um, and if so, like, like could it be like playing on an intramural team or something else? Like, how do you guys think you could improve with that? Um, I mean, now looking back on my college life, I wish that I was more involved in uh, you know, the student life. I think. Part of the reason for that was when I got to Georgetown, the guys on the team were more so, you know, they stayed to themselves. And for me, you know, that was just me trying to get more acclimated with my teammates. So I wasn't really outside the box. But, you know, as a freshman, I think I was one of the few people that had, like, a lot of friends outside the team. So senior year came around and I started uh, reaching out and just trying to branch out to meet more people. I started going to, like, different types of parties and stuff like that. But I think that's just more so how the team was made up when I was a freshman about the guys that was on the team, which isn't a good or bad thing. It's just how things were. But I think that, you know, my senior year for sure, I started stepping outside of my box, uh, started making new connections with the people, you know, that I was walking around campus with. Mm-hmm. Do you think, like, th- does the does the program, do, like, encourage you guys to get out in the student community at all? Or are they just kind of, like, focus on the team, just kind of do you? Like, is there any message from them? No, they definitely do, especially freshman year. Um, the person, uh, the person I was like in charge of our social media at the time, uh, she was like pushing us to get out to uh, campus life a lot. But like I said, you know, you can't really push people to do things that they don't really want to do. So <laughs> the guys are kind of just <laughs> comfortable with the teammates at the time. But you know, I try to step out of my uh, outside of my comfort zone um, from time to time. All right, so now that we're talking about, now that you mentioned parties, we're talking about student life. Let's get into the real nitty gritty. Um, what's what is word? What what which one do you prefer? Do you prefer 
a villa rooftop party or let's say we'll just say a henley party which what's your favorite scene on campus villa rooftop saturday afternoon day party Oof. or a villa rooftop party on georgetown day where basically the whole school is there and it's just packed um uh, kind of pissed i didn't get my joy sunday for my senior year yeah. Uh, yeah definitely definitely my villa rooftop parties i miss the most and what about what about off campus like what where what was your favorite spot to hang out at you know i didn't really start going off campus until senior year uh you know i didn't have a fake id so you know when i, I had a week i turned <laughs> one so I started going out to like clubs like Rose Bar, uh, Ozio's, uh, places like that, St. Eve's, you know. Do you ever see uh, John? Do you ever seen John Wall? Do you ever seen John Wall Rose Bar? Actually, I saw John Wall at St. Eve's one night. I saw John Wall at St. Eve's. I saw Rick Ross at St. Eve's. I saw a few people at St. Eve's. So DC has, has a pretty nice nightlife. I kind of liked it, especially in the summertime. Uh, like I said, it was taken away from me early, but I'll be sure to be back whenever I get the chance to. You went to um, you went to Howard a couple of times um, because one of my one of my good friends from Georgetown, uh, Albert, who I know you hang out with a lot. Um, you guys would go over there a lot. Like, is that just like fun scene, or like did you just know a couple of people? Yeah. So actually, like I said, my friend group, my freshman year, like I was like I said, I was one of the few people that have friends outside of the basketball team. Um, like my friend group was made up of two two people from Chicago that knew four people from Chicago at Howard. So I was at Howard almost all the time. And then my sophomore year, uh, UConn's point guard, RJ Cole, went to, was at Howard and went to high school together. So I would go to Howard and see his games a lot, all the time, actually. Um, and it's different about Howard. It's like, I don't know. When you step on campus on a weeknight, it seems like it's a weekend. Like, everyone's out. Everyone's talking to each other. But, you know... At Georgetown, like people, all a lot of people were just in the library, like on the weeknights or weekdays. But I don't know. It was nice just to get off, get off of campus for a few. Like I said, I mean, like you said, like hangout spots off of campus. I'll say Howard was a big one for me. Did you have a like favorite uh, on campus or off campus like place to eat? Uh, you know, like YZ's, etc. Yeah, I love YZ's, but. I lived in Arupe, so it was kind of far for me. I, I, I definitely went there my first summer at Georgetown because I lived in Ville my first summer. But, um, like I said, I was in Arupe, so Chick-fil-A was right there. So I was at Chick-fil-A, like, every other day, almost every day. It was kind of bad, even during the season. And, uh, like, now that I'm out here, I haven't been to Chick-fil-A since last March. So 11, I haven't been to Chick-fil-A in, like, 11 months, so... That'll probably be the first meal I get when I get home, for sure. Oh yeah, I, I graduated the year right before they made the Chick-fil-A, and oh, when I came back to camp, I was so upset. Like, I would've, that would have been my meal plan for four years. Yeah, man. I had flex dollars, so they all went towards Chick-fil-A, for sure. Yeah, every Friday, I, I would treat myself after class. I would go get eight-piece chicken nugget, medium French fry, and a cookies and cream shake for Chick-fil-A, and that was just... That that just sent me into the weekend on a good note, and I I lived in Arupe too. I lived in Arupe too, um, and that was I mean that and Epi. I mean, are are you an Epi fan? Uh yeah, especially like after them, like I said after them parties, Epi would be open to like mm-hmm. two in the morning, mm-hmm. and you go there and get a late night milkshake. Oh, oh man, Whew. 
Are you uh, are you pro Leos or anti Leos? You know it's crazy. I'm gonna say pro because I went there a lot. But freshman year, my freshman year before they did the whole reconstruction of Leos, like they had like the pasta line. Yes, I loved that pasta line. They had the they had the chef. I forget his. They had a chef. I forget his name. He was a big guy. He was so friendly. And I would just have, like, life conversation with him. He was a great – yeah, I miss that line so much. Uh, me and Caleb me and Caleb went there every day. Like, Caleb was my roommate freshman year, so yeah. after practice, we went there every day. Oh, man. And then they did the, the reconstruction, and it was never really the same after that. But I, I'm still pro-Leos. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, Leos had its moments for me, too. I, I would say the pasta line was definitely my favorite. Um, yeah. Omar, are you, are you pro or anti? I'm, like, sadly in the middle. <laughs> it's a day by day thing. It's a day by day thing. <laughs> Do you guys now that you have the fancy Thompson Center? I, I thought I saw something about like how they have a nutrition person or or even a do they have like a chef or a nutrition person for you guys now over there? Um, I won't say no. I think uh, the biggest person will be the strength and conditioning coach, Coach Hill. Okay. Uh, uh I want to say. My junior year, he started, he started like buying meals for us. So like, say like we went to Leo's and it wasn't really that good. We were able to, like, he had like a whole fridge of just like, like meals, like day by day. And we put our orders in each week, mm-hmm. and they would take the meal, microwave it for two, three minutes, and we'll be good. So I mean, that that got me through like up the bulk of the season. I think that was a, a good thing for Joe, the team for sure. Gotcha. Um, and now, and now bringing it back to. Uh, you know, this is a basketball podcast, but that, that was a fun little sidebar. But uh, for for Seton Hall, um, I mean, obviously an awesome fucking win. That was I, I didn't expect that win. Um, one of my favorite things about any Seton Hall game is there are at least, I would say, three or four times, whether it be on the broadcast or on Twitter, where we see your dunk uh, against Seton Hall. Um, how, how, how does it feel to uh, just, like, have that memory? And that's probably, like, the best poster dunk that I've ever seen from a Georgetown player. Um, your thoughts? It's a classic. It's, a classic. <laughs> it's crazy because, like, I remember it, but I don't really remember it. Like, I just remember I was at half court. I did like a. I was looking for. I was looking at coach for a play, and then their uh, point guard pressed up on me. I just did a half spin, and next last thing I remember is just going up in the air. And then it was it was crazy. My phone was blowing up after the game. I mean, it was tough that we lost, but like, I mean, every time we play CNO, it always comes up. It was like a classic. So, I mean, that's definitely probably the number one play in my career for sure. Yeah, and and it was against Mamu, who's like now their best player. But it's like yeah, yeah, just I mean, seeing just seeing you absolutely. I saw him. I saw him after the game in the tunnel. Uh, as you as you know, I played with Miles in high school, so I stopped to see, uh, talk to Miles in the tunnel. And mom, we was walking by. We kind of joked about it then. So it was. It's all. It's all love, though. Um, the the uniforms that you wore in that game were were the teal ones, but they were like the new teal, not the retro like throwback ones they used to wear. Um, right. You so they have all new jerseys this year. Uh, I want to get your your fashion opinion on the the current um, the current roster of uniforms and what are your just rank them. I think there are six. There's six. Yeah, there's okay. there's the traditional there's a traditional gray, there's the traditional blue, there's the AI throwback ones that are both home and away, and then there's uh white 
and teal. Okay, I don't like I don't like this year's teal color. Like last year's teal color was much better. Yeah, like looks kind of dark. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna put that at six. I'm a fan of the white ones, so I'll probably put the white ones at the first. I'll put the AI jerseys two and three. Uh, don't matter, gray or blue. I don't care two or three. And then four and five, I'll put the traditional, you know, Korea jerseys. So you're but, you're a fan of the white. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the white. We Same. didn't win a lot in white in my career. Like I remember every time we wore white, I was like, uh. <laughs> but like I like the white color. But one A, I'm gonna put the women's pink jerseys. I say Hoya Saxo on the. I okay. Like those. Okay. I wish we could wear those. I definitely. That's definitely one A for sure. Yeah, they've really uh, they've really upped their uniform game, and uh, I think it's it's Irv who's in charge of like everything yeah. fashion, right? Irv. Irv is tough. Actually, I saw. Actually, I saw the. He showed me the designs during last season. We were supposed to get them for senior year, uh-huh. but they got pushed back. They got pushed back a year, so I was pissed. I was like, I need a jersey, but I couldn't get one. But yeah, he showed me designs real early. Okay. I feel like you guys get a lot of like the really cool gear that's like not for sale for anyone, and like all the like all the Thompson shirts and everything are all like yeah. basketball only, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish they would make them available to the public because I know when years to come and I can't get any no more because I'm not on the team, I don't want to buy some. But I don't know. I mean, I think that that's what makes it so exclusive is that you know you can't just be walking in like Texas and see someone wearing a Georgetown. It's not. It's not the same. So I think the exclusivity of it, it makes it like that much better. Do y'all not get swag packs as alums? They don't send stuff out to you guys? Uh, see, I mean, if I press, if I really press, I probably could get something. But, like, that's only for guys like, you know, Jeff Green, Greg Monroe, the guys that, like, done stuff in the league. But, I mean, if I go back to Georgetown, I talk to Eric face-to-face with five year to get something from me from the closet. But, no, nah, it's not like no, it's not no guaranteed thing that I can just get, like, a, some mail in the buy some clothes. Nah. If they say no, we'll start a t- uh, Twitter issue. Uh, <laughs> we'll start a campaign for you. Yeah, hey, well, hey, you're a part of Hoy's Twitter now, so I mean, I mean, everyone just kind of follow. I mean, you're like the guy. Like, I mean, you had a, you had a student uh, tell you that he loved you last night. Um, thought thoughts on that? Say again. Thought thoughts on that? You had a you had someone tell you they love you. It's crazy, like. It's crazy to see how my impact was, uh, how my impact is now. Now that I'm like, now that I graduated, you know, sophomore Jagan or junior Jagan would not expect it to be the way it is now. Um, and being that the fact that like I think my we probably lost as many games that we won my throughout my four years. So like they treat me as if like I won two national championships. But like I appreciate it. Like it means the world to me. You know, just to see that, you know, everything that I put into Georgetown, you know, the people appreciate it after my last year. So, like, all the support that I get, all the DMs that I get, I make sure I try to respond to everyone as, uh, as quick as possible. Does does a part of you wonder, like, damn, like, what could have been if Georgetown had been, like, uh, an upper Big East team? Like, if we had won, like, a few NCAA, does any, does it, does any part of you just kind of consider, like, an, an alternate universe where that, where that happens? All the time, all the time, I, I find myself just looking back, like, I just, I was doing it earlier today, just looking at some videos, uh, like, of the games that we played, um, and, and short story, I remember, this was probably, like, after we beat Butler last year, and, like, I remember we saw, it was, I was sitting in Leo's with Javon and uh, Jaden Robinson, 
from Jamarco. And there was like a tweet that came out that said Georgetown has like an 80% chance to make the tournament now after the after they beat Butler. And I don't know who it was on Twitter, but someone from uh, Horror Twitter, they showed a video of D.C. when uh, John Wiles and Patrick Ewing Jr. was playing and went to the Final Four that year. And the video, I see like the, the steps next to the library and it's like, it's just packed. Like, it's packed. And I'm just thinking like, wow, like, it's just, it's just crazy. I, I really do wish that, like, I had a more successful career. Um, you know, there's a lot of games that we were in that we should have won, and it could have been, it could have been like those games that got us over the hump. But I mean, you know, sometimes it's just not your time. You know, everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that, and I'm pretty sure that they're, they're very close to knocking on the door right now um, with the class they have coming in and the way that you know Coach Pat is, has been handling everything. You know, given that, you know, all the hardship that he's been thrown at, uh, that has been thrown at him over the past two years. You mentioned yesterday, I think, um, that you'd seen a little bit of what Tyler Beer had done. Um, and, you know, you've seen some of his clips and stuff. Do you have any thoughts now on, like, the class overall, how it's shaped up, and what, you know, next year's sort of looking like with, you know, Dante's emergence, Q playing obviously very, very solidly, um, and potentially maybe some seniors coming back? Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's tough because, you know, you don't know what Javon, Jamarco, uh, you know, Donald, Judy, guys like that, because, you know, this year doesn't count for the eligibility. Um, so it's, it's tough to really to think about what the roster is going to look like next year. Um, I want They have five guys coming in? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, and then they're all, they're, they're all, I'm pretty sure, if not all five, four out of the five might well, might be ready to play next, uh, play a lot of minutes next year. Um, so tying that in with Q being a junior, Dante being a sophomore, I think that they're primed to finish top five in the Big East next year, uh, being that everything st- uh, goes well. And then if Javon and Jamarco do stay back, I think they're going to be, you know, top three, favorites to finish top three. Uh, like I said, Coach Pat is starting to figure it out. You can see that how well he's going as a coach, you know, from my sophomore year to now. Um, so yeah, I think, like I said, I think the, the program is is going is going up rather than you know the opposite direction right now. So Jagan, help help us help us break some news right now. Um, have you talked to Javon or Jamarco? Like, do are they considering coming back next year? Have you do you know at all? I don't know honestly. Um, I have not, and this is me being truthfully honest. I could, I probably could hit them up like right now and ask them what they're thinking about. Um, but no, I really don't know. Um, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I mean, Jamarco, you know, he has a shot to, right now, the season was in right now, he has a shot to make a two-way contract or just to make a team. Um, but like I said, if they do, if they do consider to come back, it's a, it's a risk, you know. They're turning down money, whether it be overseas or in the league. But, I mean, they are considering to bet on themselves. I think it can it can pay out pretty well in the future. It's just tough now with the way the NBA is going. They, they look more so towards younger guys. So to be a fifth-year senior trying to chase your dream is kind of tough. So, I mean, like I said, it's going to be their decision. I'm not really too sure where they're leaning towards right now, but I'm pretty sure both of them are more focused on finishing the season on a high note. I'm, I'm still pissed uh, because when your season ended, there was – there was some hope that they would give the extra year to, to your class. 
And I'm still pissed about that. But I mean, you would, I think you, I think I asked you this in the, on the, our first uh, conversation, but you wouldn't have come back if you, or you would have. Uh, it's tough. Uh, I mean, if the season was like it was last year where there were fans and stuff like that, it was, it was just too much uncertainty. I think yeah. that if I was given the opportunity, my first reaction would have been, yes, I want to come back. But after sitting down with my parents and just thinking about like, you know, COVID, like, is the season really going to happen? Like, I know one of my closest friends, one of my close friends from back home, he actually did three years of school and graduated early. So he could have did a fourth year, but he graduated early just to, you know, um, go pro because, like, it was just too much uncertainty going around the season this year. But I'm, like, I'm happy that it worked out that, you know, Javon and Jamarco were able to, you know, play out their senior years. But it, it's a, it was a very good possibility that the season didn't even happen this year. So mm-hmm. it, it would have been tough for me to come back and not to know what was really going to happen. Yeah, I mean, when I think about, like, the decision that they're going to face and same with Don and, and Shooty, it just kind of seems like, like, it seems like most of you guys just want to go pro and start making money, which I don't blame you at all for. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if it's tempting, though, because, I mean, Jamarco and Javon haven't experienced the postseason. Well, I mean, they haven't experienced the NCAA tournament. And next year, like, they could have a shot. So do you think that would matter to them at all, like, having a sh- I mean, I feel like that would have mattered to you, but do you think they care? Yeah, much? That definitely, that definitely would have mattered to me. Um, I mean, it's tough, like. Is you have unfinished business in college, um, um, but it's tough. It's tough to sign up for you know a whole another year of school, yeah, a whole another year of summer workouts, a whole another year of preseason. It's tough, but I mean, if they if they want to come back, I think it would be a good decision for them. But if they don't want to come back, I also think it'd be a good decision for their futures and for their family. So, like I said, I, I think it's not really going to be a right or wrong decision for them. It's going to be what they feel in their heart. Mm-hmm. Um. So now you're part of Hoy's Twitter. Um, you know, what are your initial? I guess why why weren't you? Um, you said you said last night that like you didn't want to check Twitter after wins or losses. Was that just because you didn't want to like let the the noise get to your head, or or why were you reluctant to uh, do that? Yeah, I mean, I'll be lying if I said I didn't. Like you know, you can search your name on Twitter. I did that from time to time throughout the season. But, you know, definitely after, like, a bad game, like, just some games to think about. Uh, Syracuse junior year when I had a turnover and then tied to that shot. Definitely wasn't taking Twitter after that. <laughs> um, sophomore year, playing Xavier, top five in the country. I fouled a three-point shooter, four-point play. We go into overtime and lose. Definitely wasn't taking Twitter after that. Uh, there's a lot of games like that. But, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is just – not getting too high or not getting too low. Uh, you know, after Syracuse, after we played Syracuse uh, my senior year, you know, they're probably saying a, good, a lot of good things about me, but I think my initial reaction was to just try to stay on social media and just to enjoy the moment. You know, we beat a big rival. Um, it was the last time I was going to be playing them, and I was it was personal for me. You know, after what happened junior year, I wanted to make sure I had a good game, put my stamp in the game, and more than um, – more – more so just come out with a win for the fan base. But I want to enjoy the moment, and I'll probably start looking after it on Twitter maybe like the next day or two days down the road. But right after the game, I think it's smart for all players to try to stay off social media because, you know, emotions are high, and, you know, I think more bad things can come out of it than good. Does the program, um, obviously Georgetown basketball isn't very active on social media. 
Um, well, I, I mean, they're active, but I wouldn't say they're good at it. Um, do they, and do they discourage social media use? Do they encourage it? And do they just like, how do they train you guys to like handle media, like interviews too? My, fresh, my freshman year, um, they definitely discouraged it. I think they're getting more lenient with it now, seeing that how much it could affect recruiting. Um, but back to your point, yeah, they're not, they're not the greatest, um, being social media savvy. Like I look around, I see a lot of different, I see a lot of different things with, uh, college, college programs. I'm like, damn, like, that would be cool if Georgetown would do that. And they have a lot of like ammo, like they can, they can really sell like the Jordan brand, uh, the sneakers and stuff like that. A lot of different quirky things they can do with it. But I think it's just, you can't force it. You know what I'm saying? Like if there's no one on the staff that can really enhance it you have to wait until you get someone on the staff that's really good at their job like that's really good at just being social media savvy um and that's not just the credit discredit the people on the staff now because they're doing a great job you know like i said the progress from freshman year to senior year and you know this year after i think the social media presence has gotten a lot better um but like i said it's not it's not the best at where it could be but i think there's a lot of room for improvement and like I told a couple people on the staff that, you know, if they ever have any suggestions that they want to run by me, I'll be happy to, you know, help with that and help in that department as well. Yeah, feels like that's something they should uh, take you up on. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you, um, your first college coach, his name has been back in the news a little bit, uh, JT3, because he's been connected yeah. to the BC job. Um What do you like? Do you think that'd be a good fit for him? And also, like, do you keep in touch with him at all? out to him after uh you know big coach passed i reached out to him um after uh he resigned but no nah, i don't really keep in contact i mean i got outside his own uh, a bunch of um interviews so it's not really a secret like he wasn't really uh personable as a person but like i said he was a really good coach so i mean i'm not recruit, uh, committed to a school to be you know the coach's friend i want to be coached by a great coach so nah, i wasn't i'm not really in, in uh, contact with him right now but so I'm not really too sure if he's even looking to get back into coaching but like I said he's a great coach and BC's in need of a good coach right now so I mean I don't see why it wouldn't be a good fit I mean I think if there's a person to turn around a program like he took over when Estrick wasn't doing too well so I don't see why he can't do it again do you think um I mean I agree with you that uh, you don't necessarily need to be best friends with a coach you just need to go to a program that's going to help you but um yeah. It, it feels like in this day and age with the emphasis on kind of marketing your program and with the, like everything becoming more player friendly, do you think that a coach being personable is maybe not the top priority now, but is kind of more important than it was back when you were getting recruited? Yeah, definitely, definitely part of the new school vibe, um, especially for like point guards, because point guards and coaches have to be, you know, ear to ear, they have to be tied to each other. Um, but yeah, just to answer your question, yeah, I think it's not, like I said, it's not the top priority, but it, it's, it's pretty important for players coming out of high school these days just to have someone that they trust. Because I think back in the day, um, guys weren't too, uh, their eyes weren't too open to how coaches can lie to you on their visits and stuff like that. But now that guys are, you know, people that played in college are coming back and sharing with the youth how they have to be, have their eyes open to like people in college who may lie to you and stuff like that. I think that's one of the main things for people is just to make sure that they're comfortable, you know, leaving home and 
and being coached by a guy that they actually like and it's actually looking out for them from day one. Did you run into that at all? Coaches lying to you on recruiting trips? Say that again? Did you run into that at all? Like, did any coach lie to you when they were recruiting you? Um, honestly, I wouldn't know because I wouldn't be able to know if they're lying to me unless I went yeah. to the school. But I think, like, I think one reason I chose Georgetown because it didn't promise me anything. They, they told me from day one that, you know, there's no starting position that's promised. Coach uh, JT3 told me that, you know, the point guard position, I would have to fight for it um, from day one. And, you know, that's what I did. So I think that was a big thing for me, just having uh, honesty within the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, and, and kind of wrapping things up, um, now that we, we have this victory over Seton Hall, um, five and seven in the Big East, which I did not expect um, coming into the season, what do, you, what do you think this team can do? I mean, I, there are people being like, they can win the Big East tournament now. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, maybe you do. But, like, realistically speaking, like, be real with me. Like, where, what can this team finish out this season doing and, and heading into next season? Realistically, realistically, they are one win away from Marquette and Butler. Butler plays Xavier next, so I, I'm I'm assuming Xavier's going to win that game. Mm-hmm. And I think they have like ten losses in, con- in conference play, if I'm not mistaken. Georgetown only has seven, mm-hmm. so I think the next game against UConn is a big game for them. It's a home game, a good a good chance to move up into sixth place, um, seventh or sixth place. Um, and I think the biggest thing about the biggest tournament is all about saving your body. So you don't want to play on the first night. So I think if they're, if they're able to finish top six and they get a lucky draw, um, like, like I think we did, we got a lucky draw last year, uh, even though we played on the first night, but, uh, if they get a lucky draw and they finish top six, like Jamarco said yesterday, anything is possible. You know, you just have to be better than the team on that day. It doesn't really matter once you get the tournament. The records don't matter. It's all about who's hitting shots on that certain day, and anything is possible. But like to answer your question, I think they're able to finish top six in the conference this year. Okay. And then next year, top five uh, or better. Um, has your boy RJ been talking any trash about UConn's season so far? Like he's, I mean, only he's only been there for one year, but has he? Do you guys have any banter going back and forth? Yeah, I told him. I told him like whenever I watch his games, I'm definitely rooting for him. But whenever he's playing Georgetown, I'm definitely not. Um, I, like I said, I think UConn, UConn probably has one of the most talented rosters in the Big East, if not the talented ro- most talented roster. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a good test for Georgetown just to see if they're able to, you know, slow down uh, their leading scorer in James Booknight, um, be able to neutralize him, and able to. You know, play the way they, that they have been playing against a team that likes to run their sets to a tee, and you know they don't really make too many mistakes like like Villanova. So mm-hmm. that would have been a fun matchup if if you had stuck around one more year for you and versus Book Knight. That would have been for sure. For sure. I, I like his game though. I like his game a lot. I watched, yeah. I watched a bunch of great games this year, and I think he's definitely a lottery pick uh, next year. Sure. Miles Powell still better than him or no? I know you're. Bi- I know you're biased, but yeah, I'm definitely biased. Uh, Miles Powell is probably a better scorer, but I think James Booknight is more of what the NBA is looking looking for these days. I think his game is more polished, but for someone that just needs to get to get to, get to a bucket, I'm picking Miles Powell over him for sure. Gotcha. Cool. Um, 
Anything going on in Hungary? How's how's life overseas? Any new? Any new? I see you've got a two K in the background behind you right now. Oh yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, not much right now. We're on the. Uh, there's a break because the national team is playing, so we'll probably pick things back up within a week or two uh, with games. But yeah, so everything is everything. Same old, same old. What do you? What have you been doing with this week off? Like, what is there to do? What does one do in Hungary? Just wake up. <laughs> Play 2K, eat, <laughs> go grocery shopping, work out, stuff like that. But yeah, there's not really much to do because with all the restrictions, it's, it's just basketball and yeah. just being here. So, yeah, are, it is are, you, it is. are you a Warzones guy or no? <laughs> I'm not good. I'm not good at Call of Duty. I, but I'm not going to lie. It is fun. It is fun. I, if I'm playing with, with a bunch of friends, I'll play. But I'm, I'm just never really good at it. But it's definitely a fun game to play. I have it downloaded. I just don't play it that much. Jay, and you're in luck because uh, Omar here is pretty good. Uh, and I'm kind of in your boat. So if, if you ever want to hop in the sticks, just let us know. <laughs> what systems you guys got? I got PlayStation. Okay, yeah, I got PlayStation 5, so whatever. Yeah. Oh, you finally got it. You finally got the PlayStation. Yes. Oh, Ooh, man. I saw you. You were, you were thirsting after that. Man, I was searching for a good for a good month every single day, and you know it's so crazy. Short story. So my teammate here uh, played at San Diego State um, with uh, Kawhi. Um, so me and him are both big gamers with 2K. So we were ordering it from Amazon. Um, I want to say the Amazon from UK, so it'd be sent here quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got his. And then he texted me that it was like live, the link was live. So once when I got on, I clicked add to cart, and it just it just it went it went sold out. And he got his like three or four weeks before me, so I was pissed. But it all worked out. How how is it? Is it is it worth the investment? Yeah, for sure, for sure. The way I see it, it's five hundred dollars to play something that I play every day, and I'll spend like six hundred dollars on three pairs of sneakers that. <laughs> I may wear like ten times a year, so it's definitely a better investment for that. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, me, me and Omar. I mean, I see uh, Jamarco posts like every now and then of of his war zone accomplishments, and, and that gamer. that boy is a gamer. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to link up with him because I mean that that guy looks he could be a professional gamer. I mean, bro, he's, bro, he's really good. He's really good at Call of Duty for sure. <laughs> uh, we used to play a lot. Me, him, me, him, Marco, Javon. I mean, me, him, Javon, and uh, John Moore used to play a lot of uh, Call of Duty back in the day, for sure. That's cool. All right, well, Jagan, thanks for joining us. Um, appreciate you as always, especially you know being vocal and kind of joining uh, joining in the conversation with us. But uh, best luck to you, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Hoya Saxon. Oh, also a plug: um, buy Jagan's shirt. Uh, what's what's the URL? Yeah. Uh, Jay Mosley. Wow. JMosley4.store. So it, I can't remember it. So if you can't remember it, just look at my Instagram. Yeah, just go to his uh, Instagram and Twitter. I want to say they're pretty cheap. Um, and I appreciate all the support with all the merchandise. So, yeah. Yes, definitely. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Jagan. So thanks for having me. See ya. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Episode 7 of Bulldog Banter. Uh, thanks to Jagan for coming on the show once again. Uh, that was a really fun interview. And I, I think... Uh, so a couple different turns that we weren't necessarily expecting. That, that was a really fun uh, conversation. So I hope you all enjoyed that as well. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, uh, please be sure to download, rate, and subscribe. Uh, you can also 
Follow me on Twitter at Aiden Kern underscore. You can follow Omar at Hoy Breakdown. Uh, and we will be back with you guys hopefully next week with another episode. Thanks.